Welcome to the Inez Franklin Teaching and Sermons Podcast. Inez is a teaching pastor, public speaker, and founder at trochia.org. Learn more about Inez at www.inezfranklin.com. We hope this teaching brings you guidance, connection, or tools as we seek God together today. Enjoy the teaching. Thank you. I thank God and I praise him because he always goes before us and prepares the way for us. She told us about at 3 o'clock you woke up and with the arm numb and the heart pain. God at the same time woke me up, prayed for my brother, had had a stroke, had affected his eyes, the brain, get part of the brain goes in leisure. God woke me up to pray for him. And I knew when you did it, I knew God healed my brother. And when you said it, and he confirmed it. And I thank God. Um, it was awesome, awesome. I wish we had, you had it every Sunday. I live in Indiana. I'm so sorry I, I'm missing every Sunday here. Thank so, you. Thank you for thank sharing. Thank God for Let's praise that. God thank for that. <laughs> okay. Maybe one, one more. One more. Physical, emotional, spiritual, maybe just God restored your hope. Thank you. Um, At the healing, I was, I'm 57, and I was diagnosed early, diagnosed early onset Alzheimer's, nine, and I'm getting worse. And um, I'm getting great care. So I went down for the healing service, and it's so hard to ask the Lord. Um, you can't tell the Lord what to do. You can just say, if it's within your permissive will, Lord, please heal me. And um, I prayed with a very nice man, and I stayed for both services. In the second service, when they started the healing service, a man came over who was one of the ministers and said, uh, I watched you praying through the first service, and I feel especially called to pray with you now. Mm. And uh, he prayed with me for a long time. And that was a miracle. God sent him my way. Awesome. Awesome. Let's praise the Lord. Thank you. I know, I know it's uh, hard to put you on the spot like that. So thank you for both of you for being brave and jumping right in. And, and really, we could spend the whole time praising God for what he does. Because he, I, I don't know about you, but I was moved uh, by the experience of seeing uh, people just come forward and trust the Lord. But the question we ask often is like, okay, that's awesome. Some of us experienced a miracle, but what about those who didn't? What if you prayed, you came forward, you asked boldly, you, you took that step of faith, and Monday morning came, or maybe even that afternoon, and things did not happen the way you expected? What if you asked and, um, and you got an answer, but it wasn't the answer you expected? And that's what I want us to focus on today, because I do believe, especially in the events that are happening this weekend and the things that happened just today in Egypt, I'm sure some of you maybe haven't even turned on the news this morning, but on Palm Sunday in Egypt, a church, two churches were bombed. People inside the church coming to experience the presence of the Lord, and instead they experienced the most horrific type of violence. And that raises questions for me. 
What, what happens when we ask, we pray, we come to the Lord, and things happen differently than we expect? And we want to be honest about that. It's, it's a difficult, frustrating experience. And I love that the Lord has given us a passage, even Palm Sunday is it's in itself, a picture of things happening not as we expect. And so today, as we look at God's word, we're going to see a beautiful picture of how God works, how God is, despite the circumstances in our life. And so let me pray for us before we begin. Father, we just take a moment, first and foremost, to acknowledge our pain, our frustration, our questions, our sadness, Lord, our lament. When things don't happen the way we expect, oh God, and especially when things happen that are horrific in our lives, a cancer suddenly in our body, an illness, Lord, a relationship that's broken, um, a bomb. Sometimes bombs go off in our lives in the most unexpected times. And so, Father, I just, I just lift up my brothers and sisters this morning. I, I lift up not just the ones that are sitting here, but all the people around the world, the brothers and sisters in Egypt who got to watch that scene, God. I lift all of them up to your throne. Because the one thing I do know is that you love us. You love us. You love us so much. And you are not done with this world. And there's much more that you want to do. And you want to heal it and bring peace to it. And so, Lord, be present with us this morning. Bring us your peace. Calm our hearts and our minds. Comfort those who need comfort. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to be in uh, John chapter 11. So if you have a Bible, uh, you're going to do a bit of speed reading. Are you ready? Because I actually, I mean, I love it. I am so ambitious when I put together a sermon and I have two chapters to cover today. Uh, Yeah, you're excited. I can see that. (laughs) All right. So we're going to be in chapter 11. We're going to look at the story of Lazarus uh, being healed by God. Now, um, we don't know a whole lot about Lazarus. Lazarus is a man, we're told. The the chapter begins giving us uh, basically an announcement that Lazarus is sick. Verse 1 of chapter uh, 11, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. And later we're told, so the sisters, Lazarus' sisters, verse 3, sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, verse 5. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. And now you're thinking, now wait a second, who is this Lazarus? He's sick. And Jesus stays behind, doesn't jump to help him. Let me tell you a little bit about Lazarus. Lazarus, as we're told, was a man who Jesus loved. He had two sisters, Mary and Martha, and they sent for Jesus to come and hear Lazarus. You know, Jesus told many parables, many stories, earthly stories that he would essentially make up to teach a heavenly uh, truth. And in all of his stories, he talked about people, but he never used proper names. Uh, The woman at the well, the royal official, the rich young ruler, but never John or Jane or whatever, 
But there is one story in Luke where he does use a name, a proper name, the only time he does, and he uses this name, Lazarus. Now, don't get confused. It's not the same Lazarus. But it goes to show you the importance of this name and even this relationship that Jesus had with Lazarus. Lazarus is a Greek word that comes from a Hebrew name called Eleazar. And that name, he was the son of Aaron, and that name means God helps or God has helped. And so Jesus, using it intentionally in a parable, essentially is pointing back to this meaning of the name. And this story that we're about to to learn about, about Lazarus, is a picture of God helping, helping his dear friend. We're also told it's probably uh, proper to assume that Lazarus lived with his two sisters and that he was the provider for this home, which meant that if something happened to Lazarus, these women would be absolutely devastated. And so, of course, they call to Jesus they had already walked with Jesus. They've seen Jesus do mighty miracles from afar. And they're asking Jesus, just like we did last week, it was a prayer, please heal our brother, you must come. And the answer to that prayer is Jesus stays two more days. He doesn't come right away. Can you imagine the disciples are sitting by Jesus and they know his best friend is ill, very ill enough for his sisters to come or send someone to get him, and he stays behind, and then he decides to go. Here's the thing I want us to see this morning. Because in this case, God, Jesus, makes a conscious decision to delay coming to save Lazarus. And what we're told is because of this, Lazarus dies. And so here's what happens on verse 17. Jesus finally goes to Judea, and it says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she sent out to meet him. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask, Jesus said to her. Your brother will rise again. Both Martha and Mary come to Jesus. First Martha, a little bit later, Mary, if you read the story, both say the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, if only you had shown up, things would have been differently. Has that ever been something you've said to God? God, if you had, this would not have happened. And so they asked, to me, the most human question that we must ask. Where are you, God, in this story? Where were you, Jesus, this morning in the church at Egypt when someone put a bomb under someone's seat? If you had been there, this would not have happened. It's a natural human cry of the heart. And so both women ask this powerful question. And I love what Jesus, how Jesus answers, even, even her own uh, uh, trust and believe that Jesus could do something is leaks out, but Jesus answers, your brother will rise again. And that's a very simple sentence to say, listen, just the fact because he died, that is not how far my power goes. My power goes beyond death. And I think sometimes we ask for prayers, we, we ask God to do something mighty, and we underestimate the power that he has. 
We underestimate what it is that he can do. Have you ever prayed a prayer and then God answers it, but he answers it much greater than you expected? When my husband and I first uh, got together, we started coming to Mariner's our life was a mess, and we had no friends because we made a mess out of our own lives. And in a natural way, people said, whoa, go away. And we were alone, and my husband started praying for godly men to come around him, to meet a few good godly men. And God answered that prayer in abundance. He gave us far more friends than actually now too many, maybe. <laughs> God was just generous. He, he gave us far more than we would ever imagine or dream for. Sometimes God shows us, your baby prayer is so small. I have so much more in mind for you. And so Mary wants Jesus to come and save uh, her, her, Mary and Martha, save Lazarus from the illness. And Jesus is coming to save Lazarus from death, even post-death, four days in the tomb. That doesn't stop the Lord. You see, Jesus is intent on demonstrating that he is indeed the son of God the mighty, the almighty, the, the prince of peace, the Lord of lords, having power over all things. Everything we've learned over this series, all the miracles that Jesus did, it demonstrated his power over the elements, right? He made uh, wine out of water. He walked on water if you read the gospel of John. He fed thousands. He gave sight to the blind. He healed the lame. And now he's going to show the most powerful thing that God can do. He is the giver of life, the sustainer of life, and therefore he can bring dead things to life. And so Mary and Martha's prayer was essentially even too small. And sometimes that's our prayers. So is it possible that you're not getting the answer to the prayer that you're not getting an answer that you expected because perhaps you are minimizing who God is and what he can do. That he wants to do far more than you could ask or imagine. Three times we're told after this that Jesus was deeply moved. Look what it says. When Jesus saw her weeping, this is in verse 33, and the Jews who had come along with her also were weeping, he was deeply moved. By in the spirit and troubled. Then Jesus says, where is the tomb? And they say, come see, Lord. And the first thing that Jesus does is he wept. John eleven thirty five often said, this is the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. And thereafter, in verse 38, it says, Jesus once more deeply moved. He came to the tomb. And whenever Bible, the Bible repeats itself, and especially when it's three times, we ought to take notice. Jesus cares. So even when our prayers are not answered the way we want, he cares about our pain. Do you know the majority of the Psalms are Psalms of lament? They are cries to the Lord for our pain. Jesus cares about our pain. And the words used for uh, the, the pain, the sorrow that Jesus was feeling, there's actually two different words being used, uh, something we don't see in the English, but it's easy to see in the Greek. And one, is, one word represents kind of a, a righteous anger. Jesus was deeply moved. The word behind that was kind of a, an anger against sin, an anger against the brokenness of the world. But when it says Jesus wept, that was a cry of silence, 
a shedding of tears for the sorrow that he felt other people were feeling. It was a tears of compassion towards others. You see, because Jesus knows our struggle with death. He understands our fears. He understands the reality that if it were not for God coming through for us, we would simply die. And that is not what God wants for us. We know it instinctively that death is not natural. And when death faces us, when a loved one dies, when we are faced with that possibility ourselves, it's a terribly sad, sad emotion. And Jesus knows that. He knows the sorrow in your life. And so when a prayer is not answered and you're crying because you don't understand, do know this, Jesus weeps with you. Are you willing to weep with him? To let him in? Now, I, I, you hear often this is the shortest verse in the Bible. It is indeed the shortest sentence, but it's actually a longer than two other verses in the Bible when you look at it in the Greek, which I love this. I love how the word of God is just amazing because listen, it says Jesus wept, which in, in Greek it's actually three words, okay? Yo, I'll read it to you in Hebrew. I think I wrote it down here somewhere. Yeah. Yo, Jesus edakrisen, three words. Two other verses are only two words. Listen to the beautiful combination of these. Jesus wept. First Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice always. First Thessalonians 5.17, pray continually. Do you see the beauty in that? Jesus wept. Pray continuously. Rejoice always. That, that tension between the reality of our sadness and our sorrow and our questions and our doubt and our pain and our cry out to the Lord and the, and the call for us to rejoice even in the most painful of circumstances because God is good and never to stop praying, never to stop asking, never to stop pleading with the Lord to hear our prayer because it's in that that we are reminded of the hope that is ours. That's the thing we must remember when our prayers aren't answered the way we expect. Jesus weeps with us. And he has bigger things in mind than you can imagine. And not everything is as it seems. Listen, in verse 39, it says this. Jesus says, take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Now, uh, there was a time when I worked at the coroner's office, with the coroner's office in Los Angeles, and I was able to go into the areas where they kept the bodies. The coroner's office in L.A. at the time, which was 12, 15 years ago, received about 75 bodies a day in Los Angeles. And I got to see some of that. And let me tell you, there is a certain odor in decaying, a decaying body. And in this time, in the first century, uh, people were not embalmed. The Jewish people do not believe in embalming. 
And so the decay would have happened very quickly. And Martha understood that since she's saying, Jesus, don't open that thing. It's going to be awful. We're never going to forget that smell. Why, why are you doing this? And it's not as it seems. Jesus says, take the rock, take the stone out of the way. What you believe has happened, I will show you it's different. I will show you what you don't see, Martha. I will show you how your prayer was small compared to what I will do. And so the stone is removed. And he tells her, if you believe, if you are willing to trust me with all knowledge, all power, you will see the glory of God. And so we see that the stone is removed. And I wonder, I wonder, isn't that like us? How we want to ask, we want to tell God how things are. God, you just don't understand the situation. Let me, let me clarify it for you. You clearly have forgotten the circumstances. Let me clarify that for us. And Jesus, God in his love says, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust my timing? Do you trust my purpose? And I think about this, you know, Jesus healed other people from death. We're told in scripture that two other people were raised from the dead, but it was raised, they were raised fairly quickly after, quote, they died. And so I can see people thinking, well, maybe they weren't dead. Maybe they were asleep. Maybe they were passed out. But this time, there is no doubt Lazarus is dead. Four days, it smells. It's obvious. And I wonder if sometimes God delays on purpose so that it is absolutely clear there is no other explanation but that he himself did the miracle. No other way. Do you want your little miracle answered in your timing that maybe after it's answered, you start to think about, well, I can explain away this somehow. This sort of happened because, and we start to explain it away. Or do you want your miracle answered in the power of God, in his all-knowing, in all that he wishes to happen, in his timing, so that there will be no doubt, no doubt in your mind or the mind of those around you that he was the one who was present and made that miracle come true. That's the choice we have. God sometimes delays because that's the only way we see him for who he is. And so here there is no doubt this is what Jesus had in mind. I don't know if you know this book by C.S. Lewis. Anybody a C.S. Lewis fan? I cry when I read his books. I do. It's the craziest thing. I just cannot believe a mind can think the way his did. And I know it was totally God-given wisdom. And he says this. He says this. It's so beautiful because I believe when God doesn't answer the way that we want when God doesn't answer the way we expect, when God doesn't answer the timing that we want, he's doing something in you and I. The bigger miracle taking place is the work that he's doing in our hearts, in our minds, in our soul. Because that's the one thing that God wants to do. He wants to change you, transform you into the image of his son. And listen to what C.S. Lewis says. He says, we're not metaphorically, but in very truth, a divine work of art, something that God is making and therefore something with which he will not be satisfied until it is of certain character. God will not be, and leave that up for a second so we can look at that, Jesse. God will not be satisfied until he does a miracle in your life, but a miracle in you first. You are his 
greatest miracle. You are his sole purpose. And so while we want prayers, answers, we have to understand God's looking at us and he wants to change us. So I want to take a minute and I want us to declare that to be true. And I want you to look at the person next to you. You tell them you are a miracle of God. Come on, let's declare some truth with each other. You're a miracle of God. You got to speak truth over each other. Because especially when our prayers are not answered, we start to question and doubt. And we start to lose sight of what God has in mind. I, I did an informal poll this weekend. I put a, an image on Facebook and asked people to answer it. Some of you, if you follow me on Facebook, you saw it or Instagram. And I asked people to fill in the blank. I said, unanswered prayer, blank, fill in the blank. Jesse, do we have that image? That's what I posted. And I got over 50 responses between Facebook and Instagram. I just want to read a couple to you. Unanswered prayer strengthens faith in trusting a big God. This came from Cindy. Helps me understand that it's all in his time, not my, my time, because eventually it will be answered from Bill. Unanswered prayer teaches me to be patient, rely on God's provision, and trust in the Lord. It reminds me that I don't control God, which is unfortunately a necessary reminder from Paige. It changes my heart from Barbara. And then my favorite came on Instagram, kind of a little a rattle, one person after the other, where Patsy said, unanswered prayer is God's blessing in disguise. You have that picture, Jesse? I don't know if you can read that. In May, our worship leader said, it's where the flesh is tempted to doubt God. Indeed it is, right? And Christian said, always brings you to a place of decision. Do I trust God or not? And that decision either gives way to faith or doubt. It seems backwards, I know, until you wait it out. God is always faithful and he can be trusted. You see, unanswered prayers or prayers answered as we don't expect it are working on you. They begin to work in our hearts. Do we hold on to God's promises? And as Jesus said to Martha, do you believe? Will you make the conscious decision to believe and trust even when things don't come the way you expect them? Which is the whole point of Palm Sunday. That's the reason we celebrate Palm Sunday. Now we're going to do chapter 12 in one minute. Ready for that? Because what we celebrate on Palm Sunday was something that happened not as expected. You see, the people of Israel, they're expecting a king to come, to rule, to get them out of the oppression of the Romans. And Jesus came not the way they expected. He came riding on a donkey, which on the first century, that would have meant a king that came in peace. He came and people yelled out, Hosanna, Lord, save us. They started to treat him already as a king. He enters through the gate, which would have been already prophesied that God would come through. And it looks like all is set in motion for Jesus to come and do what people expected him to do. But yet we are, no, we know the story. That's not what happens. Right after this magnificent entry, people waving palms, which, again, the, the palms represented a royal king 
by waving the psalms, palms, they were essentially saying, you are royal, you are Lord of lords. You get to rule and reign. Would you make things right for us, Jesus? Thank you for coming. Woo, finally, you're here. We're going to be free. Woo, that kind of excitement. And then what happens the following week? Jesus goes to the cross. That was not what people expected. And yet, that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to give his life for you and for me. He tells them in verse 24, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains but a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it is for this very reason I came to this hour. In John chapter 6, it says, For I have come down from heaven not, on, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. That's why Jesus came. And Jesus told Martha, going back to chapter 11, he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Are you willing to trust that I know why I came. I came for a good purpose, one you could never imagine, one you could never make up, a greater purpose to bring life not to one but to many and life to the fullest. And when we have questions and doubts and when we cry out to God, why isn't my prayer answered the way that I wanted? Why isn't this happening as I expected? We must remember that he himself is our peace. John 16, says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, today we can celebrate Palm Sunday. We can wave our palms, not the way that the people in Israel did, believing that Jesus was going to come and set up an earthly kingdom and just fix things for a time. But no, we can wave them because he is the Lord of lords, the king of kings. He conquered death itself. And though we may have all kinds of troubles, we may have disease, we may have a violence, and we may have ISIS and all these terrible things happening in the world, Jesus has conquered the world. He will. He will make all things right. He will do it in his timing and there will be not one person standing up. Every knee will bow before the Lord. And he will make all things right. And we hold on to that. That is what we hold on to, the truth of who he is and the hope he provides. So days, even days like today, where so many people are wailing and crying for the lost ones. Even days like today, we can celebrate the King, the Lord of Lords, who did come for you and for me and for them to give them eternal life, not just temporary life. And so we can praise Him for that. Thank you again for listening. Make sure to learn more about Inez Franklin at www.inezfranklin.com. 
You can help share these teachings by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sending this episode to a friend. Make sure to follow Inez Franklin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more, where she is engaging with the community and inviting us to participate with God and his work together. Thanks again. Thanks again.